Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Yeah, Father, I just thank you for Sue's life. I thank you for the blessing that she is to this body, to the, all of the leadership team. I thank you for the blessing that she is um, to, the, to the wider body uh, for what she brings as a worship leader and uh, just as a, as a true humble servant of God. Father, I just pray blessing upon her. I, bl- I pray blessing upon her life. I thank you, Lord, for the word that you are going to bring through her this morning. I just pray, Father, that we would open our our hearts to receive what you have to say to us today. So Father, would you just speak through Sue and would you use her in a mighty and powerful way this morning. We just give you all the, all the glory and all the honor. Um, Father, have your way here in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Yvonne. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's really, really good to be here and uh, to share in this series. Uh, as Yvonne said, we're at part two of an eight-week series on discipleship, but it's a much bigger part of the exploring church theme. And as Yvonne said, my name is Sue. Um, I'm a worship pastor here and also one of the elders, Uh, but it is a real joy to be part of this body and to see what God is doing amongst us. Anyway, let me start with two stories. Now, the first is about my my sister-in-law, who I think is an amazing lady. Uh, She would never say that about herself. But one of her many giftings is the art of doing ceramics or pottery. I'm not quite sure if that's uh, the exact phrase that she would use, uh, but she does ceramics and she has her own kiln and she has a whole room full of clay. And time and time again, she has tried to tell me how to do a pot or a vase or uh, a cup or all kinds of things that she does. And she has described to me in painstaking detail how you do it. And I have never understood. I'm as mystified at the end as I am at the beginning. And she does amazing creations like this. Let me show you one that she made earlier. Yes, of my favorite person, the Dalek. Now, if you can actually see the detail on this, it's quite incredible. So this was one that she made earlier, but she said this was a little bit too advanced for me. So instead, here we go, get ready for this. She showed me how to make this. Now look at this. Again, you can't see the wonder of the glaze. It's all kind of speckled or dotted in there, and it's got a little metallic base. Um, But it's quite an amazing vase. It's all very unique and creative, and we will open up the bidding (laughs) later for this. Uh, But she showed me how to do this, so I'm just going to put this back before I drop it and smash it, which would be awful. But she showed me the technique of making that... um, It's not a vase, is it? A dish or something like that. She showed me uh, how to do that. So that's story number one. Story number two. And this goes back a few years to a friend of mine. And uh, she asked me whether I could give her singing lessons. Uh, No comments, please. And so I took her through a few kind of very sort of rudimentary uh, ways of breathing technique and all that kind of stuff. Now, she was a very good singer and she had an amazing vibe actually as a person. But what we realized as we were working together is that whenever she sang, she would always just look at the floor. She spent the whole time looking at the floor, never actually engaging in any eye-to-eye contact. And I remember after a few uh, sessions with her, I just said, look, why do you look at the floor all the time? 
And I guess I was surprised by her answer, although I knew there was something deep within that prevented her from being able to look out. But what happened at that point was just this huge unraveling of her life. And so we didn't talk about the issues of her voice, we started talking about her life. And she just went back a little bit in her history to how she uh, felt abandoned and mistreated, how she felt uh, very crushed and almost like her self-worth and her self-image had become so crushed that she felt utterly unworthy. And even though she had this incredible voice, and she still does, she felt absolutely unworthy in the depths of who she was. And so she couldn't look up. She couldn't engage in eye contact. And what we did from then onwards was we didn't just look at like breathing technique or how to vary the speed of your vibrato or other kind of singing things. Uh, but actually, we started this whole exploration into the depths of who she is in order to free her voice. So those are my opening two stories, and I will come back to those uh, in a little while. Now, as I said, we are in the second week of our eight-week uh, series on discipleship, and last week, Amy very helpfully just gave us a little introduction into the whole journey of discipleship. And I'm not quite sure if you've watched that, what you picked up from that, but what I picked up from that was that discipleship is an invitation. <laughs> it's a journey. It's a process. It's something that just keeps having momentum, and it's a journey that we go on. And she also actually provoked us from Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, and she asked us this question, and we're going to look at it together. Will you come to Jesus, all you who are weary and burdened, and he will give you rest? Will you take his yoke upon you and learn from him? For he is gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. And I guess one of the takeaways from that is, is that Jesus invites us, that the yoke that Jesus carries is light. And I'm not sure about you, but sometimes the yoke I carry, maybe the yoke you carry, that the, the, the load that we have to bear feels heavy, and yet this journey of discipleship is actually coming to Jesus and exchanging our load for the load that Jesus has. And Jesus says, it's light. Come on, follow me. And I guess last week introduced us again to those uh, words that we're going to hear a lot of over the next eight weeks. And those words are Jesus saying, follow me. And apparently those words are used 23 times in the Gospels. Those very simple words, but oh, they are so complex, and they're going to demand a lot from us or invite a lot from us. The words, follow me. Now, maybe we can reinterpret those, and, and I've been thinking about how else Jesus could have said, come follow me, and maybe Jesus could have said, hey, come on, live the life that I'm living. Hey, take note. Maybe Jesus could have said, come on, if you crave fullness of life, then taste and see. And I got to thinking, fullness of life. If I want to taste the fullness of life, then maybe I have to give my fullness of life. That there's an exchange of fullness. To taste the fullness of life that Jesus is talking about, maybe I need to give my fullness. Not my shallow, but my fullness. Maybe Jesus could have said, look, follow me, because this is what the kingdom of God looks like. 
Maybe Jesus could have said, look, follow me, or this is love, this is sacrifice. Maybe Jesus is saying, follow me. Because what Jesus is saying is, I am what you will learn. I am the real thing. And so this invitation to follow is quite an amazing invitation. It isn't just an amazing invitation to learn some top tips, but it's an amazing invitation to, to really reach to the heart of who Jesus is. Now, Jesus was a rabbi, which is the Hebrew for teacher. And the invitation to follow him created what we call disciples. And the Hebrew word, tel midim, is usually translated as disciples. But actually, in reading, another word that people often use instead of disciples is the word apprentices. And again, that's quite a different take on it. It gives it much more of a practical feel that we are an apprentice in the trade of learning what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, there's a book that um, I have tried reading two times. I think I've mentioned it here before. Uh, John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I remember admitting some time ago when I was hosting a Sunday morning that two times I've reached page eight of this book before absolutely finding myself in floods of tears. I haven't been able to carry on. But in the last couple of weeks, I've had a little bit more success and I've even reached page 77. And it was quite helpful because John Mark Comer in his book says this about apprenticeship. Let's read this together. To apprentice under Jesus is to organize your life around three basic goals. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what he would do if he were you. The whole point of apprenticeship is to model all of your life after Jesus, to have the warped part of you put back into shape, to experience healing in the deepest parts of your being. Now, I found that very helpful because what John Mark Comer is talking about is about that depth, that that journey of being an apprentice is a deep thing. And I just want to touch on the first two goals that he mentioned. And the first one is to be with Jesus. Now, in the Gospels, we know that, that there was this physical Jesus that, that the disciples and others saw and followed and, and listened to, and, and there was kind of like on-the-job instruction. That's what Jesus gave. Now, we don't have that physical Jesus with us, but we do have the Holy Spirit. And that is the presence of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is that gift that Jesus has given us that can be with us. And there is, and this is a Greek word alert, we have that ruach, which means breath of life. And often it's used in the, in the Bible, in the passages in the Bible, meaning Holy Spirit. That we may not have a physical Jesus that we can follow, but we have the Holy Spirit. And there's two verses in John 14, which we will look at. And in the NIV it says, and this is Jesus saying, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now there are words in those passages that the Holy Spirit can be with us and help us that the Holy Spirit can teach us, 
that it's almost like Jesus saying, look, I'm going to go away for a while, but I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit as a gift so that the Holy Spirit can guide us, the Holy Spirit can teach us, the Holy Spirit can reveal Christ to us. That's one of the personalities of the Holy Spirit, an amazing gift of the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit can reveal Jesus to us, reveal truth to us. And I guess my question is, how can I say yes to this journey of discipleship without the Holy Spirit? How can I do it without the very presence of Jesus? How can I do this journey of discipleship without immersing myself in the Spirit? Because it's in that place, in that deep place of communion, that something happens. And the second thing that John Mark Comer said was to become like Jesus. And I think this really, I don't know, it actually really excites me, but really challenges me. And becoming like Jesus is actually what this series is all about. We've said transformational discipleship. And maybe we've never heard that phrase before. Maybe we've never put transformation with discipleship. But actually, this is what becoming like Jesus is all about. It's about transformation, changing every part of us to become like Jesus. Luke 10, we won't look at this together, but it's known by so many people and quoted so often, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. So to becoming like Jesus, to become like Jesus is a heart, soul, strength, mind, physical, emotional. It is everything. It is all we are. We throw it all in. We don't just throw in a part of it. It's every part of us. And that is the journey. That's the fullness of life. The Cambridge Dictionary definition of transformation says, a complete change in the appearance or character of something or someone. A complete change. Now back to my two stories. Learning ceramics from my sister-in-law gave me the method and the technique. It gave me some top tips of how to do actually just that dish. But unraveling the painful depths of my friend, the singer friend, unraveling her painful depths, her heart, her life, and allowing God to bring healing actually gave her a greater measure of wholeness. And that brought transformation. So learning how to make that dish was just a technique. But going through the singer's life and unraveling the depths, the history of all that had happened with her and to her and in her, that was what brought transformation. And that is the discipleship that we are talking about today. The deep discipleship. And you know, discipleship is not simply about the how-to, it's about having the heart-to. It isn't about the how-to, it's having the heart-to. And very quickly, I want to unpack that. You know, we can all learn the spiritual protocol of what following Jesus looks like, the top tips. And I have to confess throughout my life, I've made many promises to God to be more gracious, more generous, more loving. This is the Sue that you'd like to know. More forgiving, less selfish, less bitter, less resentful, less angry, less hurt. That would be super Sue. And I have to confess that at times I've wanted to be that. Those are the things that I aspire to. 
And you know, when things are going well, I can be quite successful in living up to myself. But when disruptions occur, and they do, then the Sue that you see isn't necessarily the Sue that I aspire to. You see what lies beneath. And disruptions do occur, and you know, maybe it could be a death in the family, it could be a job loss. Maybe it could be times when you feel that you haven't received the attention that you deserve or the applause that you deserve. Maybe a disruption could be a relationship breakdown or maybe it could be the challenge of a global pandemic. But when those disruptions occur, all of my good intentions do not really help because it challenges me at my core and all my practiced and shiny niceties become severely lacking. And I've got to be honest, I come tumbling down. And I come face to face with the real me. And let's be honest, when disruptions occur, other people come face to face with the real me. And yet, it is to the real me that Jesus says these words, come, follow me. And the thing is, we can hide our true self. We can bury it deep. Maybe some of us don't actually like our true self. Maybe we don't even know how to connect with our true self. So here we are talking about the depths of our true self, communicating with God and in communion with God. But actually, sometimes it's hard for us to find who we truly are because it's buried, sometimes deep within. Maybe our true self has been trivialized or traumatized. It's been injured, abandoned, maybe buried deep, deep beneath decades of deception and disassociation. But actually this morning, God wants to commune with the depths of who we are. Because it's to our true self that God says, I love you extravagantly. And it's actually to your true self that this discipleship will bring freedom. And maybe that is true freedom. When the fullness of who we are engages with the fullness of the life of Jesus. And then we actually learn what freedom is about. And it takes courage, doesn't it? I know one of the things I have found hard throughout my life is having the courage to actually face who the true me is and at that place to understand that God loves the true me, not the shiny me, not the public me, not the platform me, not the me that I can present in various different platforms, whether offline or online. My struggle has always been, God, you love the real me? <laughs> Question mark. Let's read some words from Psalm 139. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. And this picture, this is, this is discipleship, <laughs> where the potter, where we are clay, and in the hands of the Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, God molds us and shapes us and changes us. Let's move on from that picture. So really the call of discipleship, all that I've tried to talk about in a very quick way this morning, is the call of the apprentice. 
to ask God to reveal the very depths of who we are so that we can deeply engage with the very depths of the love of Christ. Now, Jesus was supreme at getting to the heart, the woman at the well. And Jesus went up very countercultural and, and said, come on, give me a drink. And, and the woman was just so occupied with, well, how can I give you a drink? And what are you going to use to draw the water from the well? Now, Jesus could have got sort of entangled with all those superficialities, but what did Jesus do? Jesus took that, but went to the heart and started talking about her life. That is discipleship. Now, the woman probably went away changed or maybe wanting change. So this morning, I just want to say that discipleship is not about the how. It's not about the how-to, but it's about having the heart-to. And I believe the call to discipleship, this journey, this invitation, is to the very depths of who we are. So what does our interior design look like? If you've been in a house long enough and you look around, there's lots of clutter. Well, actually, our hearts can be the same. When we've lived in this house, in this heart, in this life for so many years, we can have a lot of clutter, a lot of debris. And I believe God wants to redecorate. God wants to bring a cleanliness to our interior design, which means getting to the heart, which means us being unmasked, unpretentious, fiercely belligerent towards our own superficiality and saying, it's the depths of me that is answering this call, this call, this invitation to be discipled. And so this morning when we hear those words, come, follow me, it isn't just in the shallow water, it's actually the depths of who we are. That is the call to us. That is the call to our hearts. And that is the journey, the process that I believe Jesus wants us to go on.